All right, good morning, everybody. This morning, if you'll turn your Bibles to Proverbs 2 and 3, this morning, 2 and 3 is where we'll be. While you're turning there in the scriptures, um, some things that are coming up this, well, relatively soon. Um, Teen night is tonight from 5 to 8. They'll meet at uh, Beale Park uh, at the, you want to meet at the pavilion first or at the the volleyball courts? Okay, volleyball courts there is where they're going to meet for that. And potluck is next Sunday, uh, September 3rd, tacos. So bring something that goes with that which is anything. Um, Dennis Zek is coming. He's from Calvary Chapel, Temecula. Uh, He'll be sharing with us ministry through mystery. Um, We'll do a church-wide meal and then uh, a special service with kids. And I know you asked me, Rod, age limit. I I think the older class only. I think the others. It is more about... um, um, he does allusions and things like that to help us to kind of understand the teaching of the difference between false teachers and, and, and true teachers and things like that. So it might be a little bit much for the younger kids. So I'll, I'll watch him again and talk to him again and see, but for now it's just the older class will be in with us. And then the men's breakfast, October 21st, we had to move that. Um, I set it up the same day as the leadership conference at Calvary Chapel Grace. Um, so anybody interested in going to that, I put the card out there. You can sign up on your own, um, register online for that leadership conference that's down in Grace. It's coming up uh, towards the end of this month. Um, but then the men's breakfast will be in the next month, October 21st at 8. And uh, we'll be sharing about our new chapter we're starting here, Turning Point USA, uh, and when we'll start our first classes here for that, which will be November 4th. But we'll get into that in greater detail that that morning. So. And I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and the wisdom that you have for us and um, the heart of uh, those who have received your word, have received your wisdom, have applied it to their lives and just want to share it with the next generation or with those around them. And we want to be those people as well. So Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your wisdom and uh, to take it in and and to apply it and and to trust you in Jesus name. Amen. We'll try to tackle two this morning, two and three, two chapters. Um, Proverbs is pretty rapid fire. As he writes, uh, some of them are a little longer. Uh, for the most part, the, the, the second proverb here is about, um, the first one we, we, we went over last week was, was mainly about, are you going to receive it if I tell you about it? You know? uh, are you going to listen to me kind of thing? And, and two isn't much different than that. Um, here's what happens when you do. Here's what happens when you don't um, receive the word of God. Uh, one of the things that came up during the singing here for me, as I was uh, enjoying worshiping with all of you, uh, is the fact that we trust him for our salvation. His plan is good. Um, we've relied on him for that. I'm, we should be fairly confident that everything else he has for us is good too. It doesn't have to be picked through and and dealt with or you know eaten like a smorgasbord maybe i'll take this a bite of this and a bite of that but we can take it all in and uh and know that it's best for us um i was trying to think of different ways to get that across when i when you start a church like we did here you kind of have to know everything you, you don't have you don't go and when you go and take over a church somebody else has started there's pretty much a good infrastructure in place and everybody knows their little 
um, areas of expertise. And well, when you when you plant a church, you don't have those people in place, and so you get to become the jack of all trades kind of thing. And I remember researching amplifiers. Of all the things I wanted to do as a pastor, studying amplification was one of my favorite things. Not really. And there's a difference between when picking an amplifier that there's four ohms and there's eight ohms and there's more ohms that you wanted to know and you don't care about electricity at all. But you just want to share the word of God. You want it to be clearly heard. So you begin to look at those things and that those ohms need to match up with the speakers and that there's different kinds of power ratings wattage wise. And there's a difference between peak watts and continuous. You want to look at the continuous. You don't want to order off of the peak. Anybody bored yet? I was, but we got it done. Well, all those things, although I don't have an engineering mind, I understood the purpose and the reason those specs are given is because they need to operate within those engineering parameters for them to work properly. If you bought amplifiers that were for peak wattage and think I got a 900 watt amp and it was peak, that's not going to run your 900 amp or 900 watt speakers. Those are going to run your 450 speakers. You don't care. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to your walk with Jesus, we've been given specs. We've been given a a way to operate and within certain parameters and what we can and what we can't do. And anytime you see a failure in a sound system where the speakers pop, that's actually because you don't have enough power, not because you've given it too much power, generally speaking. Or when you see one of those big, huge cranes in a skyscraper fail, odds are that it was because it was being operated outside of its specifications, either in too much wind, too heavy of a load, or it was constructed improperly. Our walk with Jesus has specs. Our life with God has specifications. And as we go through Proverbs, that's what these are. You can operate within these realms, within these parameters, but outside of these parameters, that's when failure takes place. That's when we fall apart and can't function So as we go through this, I hope we will receive like chapter one told us. I hope we can understand the, the, the fruit that'll happen from being obedient to these Proverbs versus being disobedient to them and that we can accept those. Verse one, my son, if you receive my words and my treasure, my commands within you, if you hold them dear, in other words, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her wisdom as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's some things God expects for us to do. A lot of times I'll hear people myself included, wondering when God's going to take this away or take that away from my life. When are you going to remove that or make me a better person? It doesn't work like that. He tells us what he wants. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, and he gives us freedom and breaks those chains of we must sin to I can choose to sin. That's what Christ does. He breaks every chain. When I become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I'm set free. And he who's free is free indeed from everything. The sin that I commit afterwards is by choice. I'm no longer bound by my flesh to have to. I'm opened up now with the possibility of obedience. But that'll be my choice. And so when he tells us these things about wisdom, this is something you strive for. This is something you dig for. 
This is something you cry out to God for. Don't just expect it to come, you know, whispering into your ear whether you like it or not. These are things you work for. I study the scriptures. I think it's important to study the scriptures. I think I don't think that's exactly how you get all wisdom. But I think it shows the diligence of the student and the heart of the student to God. I think it shows respect. I think it shows the importance. It displays it for him. You know, I'm taking this time. I'm setting this time aside to study God's word. I'm going to study your word, God. I'm taking that time. Now, I'm dumb as a box of rocks, and I'm going to need some tutoring here. So send your helper, the Holy Spirit, to be my teacher and guide into all truth. But here I am. I presented myself. That's the first step in learning something is to go into class, you know. And so all the proverb writer here is trying to do is saying, you need to incline your ear. If I've got my ears blocked or I've got them filled with other things, am I tempting God and saying, you need to speak louder, I can't hear you over the TV? I can't hear you over the radio that I'm listening to. Bring worship into my heart while I listen to secular. No, have it your way, he says. Fill your ears with whatever you wish, whatever you want. Fill your eyes with whatever you want. Fill your heart with whatever you want. It's your heart to fill. I'm simply giving you the option to fill it with me or to fill it with the world. And so incline your ear to wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. There's doing on our part. It isn't just going to come and change There's activity on our part. Cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her like silver, if you knew that was out there, you know, if you knew that you, if I told you there's a coffee can of gold somewhere within 50 feet of this church and they all gave you shovels, (laughs) we'd have a trench. We'd have a moat. (laughs) Wisdom's the same way. It's available Sometimes he wants us to dig for it a little bit, though. We love going through the whole counsel of God because although, <laughs> I think I was just talking to somebody last week who was saying, I, I do, I read the whole, I read it all, but then I get to numbers <laughs> and the list of names. I said, I know, I know. And I had to take them to numbers. And I said, now, but look, da 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 I know the name, the name, the name. But then watch this. In the middle of this chapter, in the middle of this list of names, there's this little two-sentence blurb about someone who prayed something and something happened. And you'd, you'd have never found that if you hadn't gone through that list. It's like maybe it was a little tedious to go through the names and try to master the pronunciations or just infuriating sometimes because we just don't have an ear for it. It's unfamiliar to us. But as I go through and I persevere through the ore, (laughs) I find that gold vein. Yeah, there it is. That's what he wanted to share with me. It took digging. It took a whole chapter of, and -and so-and-so begot, and -and so-and-so begot, and -and so-and-so begot. But then there was that. Prayer Jabez is like that. There's lots of different golden nuggets like that. God wants us to dig. It's worth digging. And he also says, when you dig, when you seek, when you apply your heart and incline your ear and you do all these things that I've just been telling you to do, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord, which tells me that the fear of the Lord takes some understanding. It isn't just, oh, scared of God. Not, that's not what it means totally. The fear of the Lord, there is, there's depth to that. And I want to show you that depth, but I want you to dig. I want you to spend time. 
It isn't about the shortcuts. It isn't about the one minute with God devotionals. What if you did that to your wife or your spouse or your girlfriend or someone you loved? I really want to invest in this relationship, so I've got this plan so that I don't forget to spend time with you, honey. I've got this book that tells me to spend a minute with you every single day. You're welcome. Can you imagine? The love of your life, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for your sins. He loved you so much that he gave himself a sacrifice for you, and we're going to give him a minute. He wants to build that relationship. And that not only takes quality time, it takes quantity time as well. I remember the big, when parents get busy season in the 80s, I remember all the the books (laughs) at my house. How to have quality time with your kids. I wanted quality time. And the parents wanted to give me quality time. The book was being read because there wasn't enough time. So the time that I've allocated needs to be quality. It's not how you raise kids. You've got to raise kids with quality time, but you've got to give them quantity. You've got to ride in the car for four hours for a three-minute deep conversation that comes up out of nowhere. You've got to be in their presence you got to have face-to-face time with them. It's so important. And God says, would you do that with me? As your father, I'd love to spend time with you. I'm always with you. I never leave you. I never forsake you. You know? That's a good dad just waiting for that deep conversation he wants to have with you. I love that. So he says, dig a little. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. He said that last week too. There's a lot of conversation about justice and equity today. What does it mean to have justice? What does it mean to have equity? The Bible teaches us that. But he doesn't give us a list of, here's the go-to in the Bible for equity. No, I want you to read from Genesis to Revelation to understand equity. I want you to read from Genesis to Revelation to understand justice. Because justice starts with, I made you and gave you everything perfect in the world, in the garden, and I told you to do one thing, or not to do one thing, and that's the thing you did. Justice demands death. Righteousness Purity, mercy, grace, mercy, all falls into that justice as he decides at that point, actually it's from the foundations of the earth, but declares it at that point, I will save you from the seed of Eve. Capital S, one seed, it's Jesus Christ. And he comes and he dies on the cross, which is unfair, which isn't justice, which isn't the right thing to do. The person who sinned should die. But he took the sin of the world and placed it upon himself. And now we have a fuller view of what justice looks like. How does that work? How does that, how does that fare? In God's economy, this is justice, and we need to learn that. That's how you'll survive the smaller relationships in your life, the lesser. That's how you understand what it means to have justice for your family and for your friends and coworkers and your enemies even, for that matter. What does justice look like? Well, justice is from Genesis to Revelation, and you discover that by reading it. 
and knowing it. I'll give it to you, he says. I'll show you equity. I'll show you what justice looks like. Verse 10, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Discretion. Oh, oh. are we sorely lacking discretion in this world or what? To be discreet. To be private. To keep things to ourselves and to not proclaim every single emotion that comes into our head or heart and make sure the world knows it. I'm offended. I'm hurt. Everybody needs to know. Who isn't? Who isn't offended at times? Who isn't going through those things? Why is it a newsflash? Discretion. Oh, that we clothe ourselves with discretion in our lives. Keep more things to ourselves. Barium psychologists say that you're not supposed to bury your emotions. You're supposed to, well, the Bible also says, in, in contrast to the worldly wisdom of spewing out everything, that um, a fool does this. A fool declares everything that's in his heart. A fool acknowledges or spews out everything. Some things need to be kept. Some things need to be worked out. Damage is done when people just blurt. (laughs) That's how arguments get way out of hand and very difficult to recover from when we don't hold our peace. The world got as close as they could with count to 10. (laughs) Takes a thousand sometimes. Count to a thousand. That'll calm things down really quick. When you're about at 800, you'd be like, I don't even remember what I'm counting for. Perfect. Now keep it to yourself. Didn't need to be said. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. So far, he's giving us a list of things. Here's what happens when you listen. Here's what happens when you do what I'm about to tell you to do. When you take God's wisdom to heart after you've sought for it and dug for it and and invested in it and applied it to your life, it's going to really do wonders in your life. It's going to protect you from all these things. Verse 14, who rejoice in doing evil. Those who walk in darkness rejoice in doing evil. And delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and who are devious in their paths. A little bit of compromise in these areas, where you know you shouldn't watch or listen or do. And you step into those areas because it's permissible. There's nothing blocking your way. It's not illegal. There's a lot of things that have become legal that are not legal in God's economy. They're not legal Spiritually speaking, you're not free in those things. You've been set free from those things. And the world is making them more and more, well, easier to obtain. To obtain. And he to- warns us about that. Don't join in with those who rejoice. There are some people that are rejoicing in it, and now you wouldn't rejoice in it, but you'll watch someone rejoice in it. He tells us to be ignorant of evil. Ignorant. Don't know anything about that, you know? They delight in perversity. Their way is crooked and their paths are devious. 
to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Just a warning. The flattering lips of anybody is is dangerous ground for us. We all want to be told that we're liked, loved, appreciated, even infatuated over, maybe. Who doesn't want to be a star in your own show, you know? Who doesn't? (laughs) Hey, it's me again. And we're not unlike Satan in that respect. Our sin natures, well, since it comes from him, since he's the father of lies and we believe those lies, it's our heart is inclined to that as a fleshy heart. To be exalted, to be lifted up, to be appreciated, admired, and revered. And so it's not only the women that can flatter the guys, it's the other way around as well, and women can flatter women and men can flatter men. It's usually for a purpose and for a goal to get something. The end of it is death. Now, that's one of our first moments where he actually gives us some advice. Watch out, because if you're digging for God's wisdom, it'll protect you from this. You'll be able to spot it. I think discernment is one of the most important gifts that can be given to us. Yes, you have the discernment of scriptures. I I know some argue about this, that, well, we have the scriptures, that's all the discernment we need, but there is also the a, a discernment you can have in your in your spirit. I I don't I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is exactly, but something about it. It's dark. I don't know. I'll have that sometimes when I'll drive into my hometown or something, and, and maybe it's because of memories. Maybe it's because it reminds me of my old self before I came to Christ. But I'll feel this heaviness that comes upon me. It's like mm, <laughs> ready to go now already. Just pulled in, ready to leaving, ready to go, you know. And I'll have that. I call that discernment in my life. I get the sense that I need to be very careful in this environment, in this location. I get that all the time. My sin, it's like magnetic. It's, it pulls towards temptation. It pulls towards that. And when I'm walking through a store or I'm walking through a mall or I'm walking through Whenever I'm moving, I can just feel that pull. You know, there's this draw. I wonder what's over there. It's like my sin nature knows there's sin over there, knows there's opportunity over there, knows where the bad part of town is. I can spot it. I can feel it. I could drive there with my eyes closed. My sin nature will take me there. I think we have to be very well aware of that in our lives. You know? I know a lot of people that, I know a lot of men that probably need to go to bed when their wives go to bed. Because that next few hours of solitude, darkness, and anonymity is going to take you someplace, and you know where it's going to take you. It's a very dangerous thing to play around with. I'm just going to watch a few shows. I'm just going to go to bed a little. I'm out of a snack. I'm picking on you guys. I'm not going to pick on the gals today. Our sin nature knows where it is and how to find it. And Satan knows. All he does is throw out bait. Cast. Just looking. And we know what we bite at. 
we have a choice. Avoid those things. Avoid those places. Avoid those times. You know? I don't know that I was delivered from alcohol or I was set free from it. I'd say set free because the opportunity and availability is still very much around me all the time. I'm not picking on it. I'm just saying that's for me. One drink isn't okay for me. One drink breaks down the very top course of bricks of my wall in my life that lets the next drink come over. And drink by drink, course by course, my wisdom goes, my judgment goes, my discipline goes, my morality goes. So I know that about myself. Can't you just have one? No. (laughs) Because the one makes way for two, and the two makes way for three. Everybody used to laugh at me when I drink Diet Mountain Dew. You know, how many how many Diet Mountain Dews do you drink? As many beers as I would have had. You drink a six pack of Mountain Dew every day? Mm-hmm. Oh, you just replaced your addiction? I don't know. I'm doing a lot better on the Diet Mountain Dew than I did on the beer. I know that. Now I've cut back on that. Now I drink three bangs a day, and that has that, 300 milligrams of. Caffeine per bang, I drink through. It says it's healthy on the top part of the can. I hear they lost a lawsuit in that, but I'm still holding on to the, the false truth there of super creatine making me lose weight. <laughs> I know myself. I know my sin nature. I know my immoral compass. And I guard myself. Wisdom. Verse 20, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of, upright, of, of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. That's the end. That's how it all turns out. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus and us being brought home to be with him. You know, Chapter 3. My son, do not forget my law. So you're going to learn it, but don't forget it. But let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. There's something called studying for the test, and then there's studying for life. And we spoke a little bit about that last Wednesday. But when you study for the test, you just wanted to get your grade so you can get your, uh, your hours, your credits, so you don't have to retake the class. But if five years from now you actually need to use that material, you wouldn't remember it because you studied for the test. There's a difference. There are some things that are ingrained in me that I could pick it up at any moment and remember. I don't have to do it every day. It's like riding a bike. That's because I know it backwards and forwards and have had so much experience in that, whatever it is. God's word needs to be like that. It's second nature to me. I, I'm, I, I have listened to the Holy Spirit for so many decades now. It's not even a miraculous moment for me. I, I'll just know. I don't sit there and say, wow, the Lord spoke. It's like, well, no, he speaks every single day if I'm listening. And now it's like, this is the way walking in. All right. You know, and I just go that way. 
When I feel that resistance sometimes, when I take on a task or a new ministry, I think, oh, this is going to be, I think God really wants to do that. And I start feeling that resistance. It's no longer, I no longer have to question, do I push through this? Is this just an opposition or is this just, this is of your flesh, this is not of God? I know almost instinctively now. It's like, ah, this door isn't just closed by, you know, obstacles. This is God's hand on the other side of it saying, don't open this door. And I know that. I've learned that. I still push a little bit, but eventually I get it, you know. That's knowing. Walking with the Lord is not a mystery to me. Length of days and long life, there's a benefit to that. Uh, Some of us don't want long life. Some of you are like, I'm ready to go. Ready to go be with the Lord. Granted. But as long as you're going to be on this earth, let's be healthy about it, you know. Let's live our life so we're not doing as much damage as we used to do to other people around us. Let's live a life that's uh, where we're able to live on our own as long as we can and things like that. And there is wisdom that God gives us for those, for those things. Everything, every single decision I make is, there's a bag of Doritos. Ugh, yum, you know, the whole bag tonight, you know, kind of thing. Or an apple and maybe two spoonfuls of peanut butter to, choke it down kind of thing, you know. I know. I know which one is going to give me acid reflux all night long and a poor night's sleep and a bad attitude the next morning and, a, and, a, and, and I'm weakened spiritually the next day. And I know what's going to let me sleep and I'm going to wake up refreshed and be ready to serve the Lord tomorrow. I know which one's going to do it. The battle still rages a little bit. Small little dumb decisions like that make a difference. It's all meant. It's all it's all part of it. It's all part of the specifications. Be careful. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. In other words, let people know that what you mean and what you stand for and what you believe. It doesn't have to be a big hidden thing. It doesn't mean you wear a gigantic cross on the outside too. You can, I don't care. But that doesn't mean you're moral, you know. I want people to know where I stand. I think people do. I don't hide it. I don't hide my love for Jesus. I don't hide my attendance to church. I don't hide that I read the scriptures every day. I don't hide those things. I wear them around my neck. I think it's wisdom. I think the world needs to know, and I think they need to know where to come get it, honestly. They may not like to see it or hear it or watch you live it. Sometimes that's offensive to people, but when they're down and when they're low and when they're in that place to receive, they'll know where to go. They'll know where the the well is. And then, of course, you'll lead them to Jesus. You aren't the, the well he is, but you can tell them where you get your drinks. It's from him. And so he tells us, wear them around your neck. Don't hide them. You'll find favor with God and you'll find favor with man. Do you want favor with God and favor with man? Then be out loud about your faith. It's not something to be separated. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Many of us have that in our homes on plaques. It's a good one. Read it and do it. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with half your heart. No, all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now that's the hard part. 
Because oftentimes the wisdom of God is, is counter to maybe what we're feeling or what we're thinking. I trust God's word. I don't trust my own heart. I know he's given me a new heart, but I also know that my, my sin nature is still alive and well, even though I've reckoned it dead. Ugh, I'm like Paul in chapter 7 of Romans. Why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do. Chapter 8 says the Holy Spirit leads and guides us and helps us with those decisions. But I do know there's constant decisions that need to be made. And so, when my understanding doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, I don't lean on my understanding, I lean on his. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. He won't walk them for you, but he'll show you which way to go. He'll show you the one he wants for you, the way you're supposed to go. And it may not be the way that everybody else is going. Doctrinally, it will. Don't misunderstand me there. But your path may not be the same. Every graduating senior gets the same question. What are you going to do next? What college are you going to go to? That isn't always the next step. Some people think it is, but it isn't. It isn't. You need to be very careful about that. I want to let my ways be guided by God, my paths to be directed by the Lord. And I want to follow his path for my life. Do not be wise in your own eyes and fear the Lord and depart from evil. That humility is key to all of this. If I think I know, I can't hear. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. There it is again, the second time in the same chapter. Do you want health? Do you want long life? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We're going to pass the plate now. We don't do that here. And it's not from pride. It's just something that God showed us a long time ago that it's private, but it is an act of worship, and it's between you and the Lord. A problem with a plate or a bucket or whatever, a bag or whatever that you do. Nothing wrong with it. Other, we, who knows? Maybe next week we'll change. God will say, do it. Fine. Just trying to be obedient to him. But the, the problem that can come from that is the watching eyes. And you never want to give and be a grudging giver to the Lord. It needs to be something that comes from your heart, something that God's done there. It's usually the last, it's the last thing that happens to a person. It's the hardest area in a person's life is to give and to not wonder if the return is going to be worth it. Or did he really mean? I, I have more conversations about that topic, about... Do I tithe off the gross or the net? I said, you probably better keep it for a while until you figure that out. I don't think he wants that. Is it 10%? That's the old covenant. That's not the new covenant. Look, if you're debating on whether you, you're looking for reasons. <laughs> Do I really have to? No, of course you don't. It's never been like that. You know, I mean, it has been like it. If you're going to be a Jew, you had to give 10%. But if you go through the Old Testament, I just want to talk about this a little bit. If you go through the Old Testament, it wasn't 10%. It was 10% plus the corners of your field, plus the weary traveler, plus the 10% was simply for the house of the Lord. That was it. Every, there was beyond 10% in the Old Testament. Read it. Sacrifices and offerings and first fruits and, and corners of your field left for the poor. And then the stranger who needs help and you know, that's what Samaritan's purse is all about. It's the Samaritan who, that wasn't his 10% for the month. 
Well, I haven't given it to anybody. That guy looks like he needs it, you know? It goes above and beyond. So if you're still asking those questions about that, you really need to pray your way through that and what that means. He gives us a promise here. He gives us wisdom. You honor the Lord with it. It's just, it's just an acknowledgement if you understand where it came from. It came from my hands. Did it? The job, did it come from you or God? Or your health, does it come from you or from God? Does it, the ability to do, the gifts that you have, the talents that you're, where does it come from? Well, it comes from me. You've got a lot of praying to do. And a lot of searching and understanding what that means. You honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits, not the last. It's not the last check you write, it's the first. It's an acknowledgement. It's not like what's left over, can I afford it? It's never been like that. The promise is attached to honoring God with the first fruits so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I don't know that we should give for the return of the investment. Probably need a little more prayer. <laughs> if I give 10, and the Bible does say 100-fold, doesn't it? Somewhere in the Bible, 100-fold? Yeah, it does. It does. But you can't treat the work of God like a, like a stock, you know? I think we know that intuitively, but honor him. <laughs> Verse 11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. I like it when God has, or I have his attention. I, I like it better when I'm obedient. <laughs> and we don't have to have a talking, a talking to, you know, or go to the woodshed. But I do appreciate when he does take me to the woodshed for the spanking that I deserve and get and earn. I earn it. I like correction. It lets me know I'm his. And we've talked about that. You really can't correct another person's child too much anyway, anymore, if, if at all. You know, it's up to that parent to do what they need to do for that child. But when God deals with me directly, it means I'm his son. It means I'm his daughter. It's just proof that I'm his responsibility. And that's all he's trying to say. Don't detest it. Learn from it, first of all. Don't be mad at him. Accept it. Know that you've earned it and know that it comes from his love for you. That he's trying to make you better and to avoid future harm to others and yourself. Verse 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. God's ways are beautiful, you know. Even when Paul was in prison and he's writing, as we've been going over Wednesday nights, as he writes to Timothy and Titus and, and so on, writes these letters from prison, he's got peace. He knows where he stands with God. He has peace with the Lord. Those paths are beautiful. And as he describes this, he's going to talk about how it's just great to lay down with that kind of peace 
When you go to bed at night, you can lay down and you have such a clear conscience. You have such a right relationship with God. It just brings you the deepest slumber, you know. When I feel like I can't sleep or I feel agitated and I don't know why, and I don't know if everybody else goes through, we call it insomnia. We try to give it a a psychological term, but more than likely I need to get up and talk with him. I need some alone time with you right now, you know. I need you to pray for somebody, for yourself. Get right with somebody, get right with me. Something's going on there where he says, it's not time to sleep, it's time to pray. When Jesus was done ministering to all the people all day long, he'd go up on top of the mountain and pray. Spend time with his father. Sometimes that's the case. I get so anxious sometimes when I can't. Last night was one of those nights we got back from Kansas City, what, 11.30 at night or something like that. And I know I have to get up early because it's Sunday morning. So you're already behind. And so you're laying in bed going, sleep, 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 sleep. And that keeps you up for another hour because you can't shut up. And so now it's 12.30. Like, oh, I don't even know if I should sleep now. Should I just get up? It's just a cycle, you know? Ugh. Uh, you know, hadn't hadn't been with the Lord all day. I mean, I was, but we were doing kind of secular stuff. We were at a, a bounce place or a jumping place, urban air down there. And just mine was on other things. And so there was no peace when I laid down. I didn't have that, that, um, that decompression time, you know, from the world before I laid down. Very important. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up. The clouds dropped down the dew. If he does all that, he can certainly guide your life. My son, let them not depart from your eyes, the wisdom, the things that you're learning. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. (laughs) Best prescription you could take. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, when the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. I'm a very light sleeper. I don't mean to focus on that too much, but if I hear a creaking in the house or, uh, you know, some... We live in the country now, so there's critters that come on our deck and scamper... You know, my eyes are all wide and, and all, and, and, and I don't need to be afraid. I don't have to worry. I mean, for, I'm too far outside of town for any you know, drug addict to come out there and find me. I don't have to worry about that, you know, someone knocking on my door. When I lived in town, we used to have, if you're a college student, and I'm not blaming all college students, but two or three o'clock in the morning after the bars close, and they're all walking down our street on Market Street, and we had one time where it just, just, just someone's trying to get into our front door and I fly out of bed in my underwear, you know, and I, now you know. And I, I just blew up at the, you know, say my house. I said, no, it's not, not your house, you know. Looking for my house. Now I calmed down, I got him in the car and we drove around looking for his house. He was close. (laughs) He was close. I don't have to be afraid of that stuff. I can just relax. I don't have to be on guard all the time, you know? I don't have to worry about sudden terror. God's got those things. 
Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. That's key. If you can help somebody, help them. But he's not asking you to go into credit card debt to go help them, is the idea. It's a very modern take on that, but you get the idea. If it's within your ability to do it, do it. Help them. Don't hold back. God's watching those kind of things. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Just do it. Be a blessing. That's beyond the 10%, by the way. I'm just throwing that back out there again. You know, it's just constant. It's just in this attitude of generosity. Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause, for uh, if he has done you uh, no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. Sometimes the world does get away with it. Sometimes the oppressors do get ahead. I'm not oblivious to that fact that there are people that abuse the system. and can. He's warning us here. There may be a temptation to say, well, what good does it be, do to be a nice guy when the bad guys are always prevailing? Don't let that tempt you. Guard yourself against that. There's other things at play that you're not seeing in the oppressor's life. There's another future plan for that oppressor that you don't want any part of. Watch out for that. Just because it hasn't happened or he seems to be getting away with it doesn't mean that that's going to be the case. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. Hmm. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. There is a progression, I believe, and I'll close with this, in wisdom. I'm not saying there's secret knowledge, but I am saying that there are some things that God has in wisdom that he wants to share with you, but can't until you get the first things first. I think that's what he's talking about here. The secret wisdom is for the upright. You begin to walk uprightly. You begin to right the ship of your life after you've lived for sin for so long. And all of a sudden, there's more understanding. There's a depth beyond just salvation, beyond just blind obedience to understanding things, seeing things clearly, being able to navigate, not not just barely missing the trap of Satan, but easily avoiding it and spotting it and be able to lead other people around it as well. I think there's these things, and that's what he's talking about there, this secret wisdom. It's not a secret book that we need to read or find or anything like that. It's just these things build upon themselves, and I hope that we do that. As we go through all 31 Proverbs here, I pray that God builds and builds and builds in our lives as we take them in each Sunday and apply them to our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the promises and the, and the hope. As that's what I really feel like he was trying to, you were trying to get across um, this morning, God. Is there is, there's hope to be had for our lives when we prepare ourselves, incline our ears, and set ourselves up for receiving your word, receiving, it, receiving your wisdom, God. So help us to take it in today, to chew on it maybe, maybe reread it if we have to. But whatever you've shown us this morning, that we begin to be doers of those things, that you'd build precept upon precept in our lives. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great rest of the week.